Welcome to the Road Safety Podcast with me, Dr. Karen McDonnell, Occupational Health and Safety Policy Advisor at ROSPA. This is a podcast that keeps driving and riding for work and managing the risk in the minds of people and businesses across Scotland. Our conversations will help you understand where driving and riding for work sits within the safe system approach and to think about new and emerging risks. This podcast is part of the work of the Scottish Occupational Road Safety Alliance project funded by Transport Scotland and delivered by ROSPA that not only contributes to Scotland's road safety framework to 2030, but also ROSPA's strategic objectives relating to those who drive or ride for work. And for listeners in the UK and wider world, the safe system and management of occupational road risk principles discussed during this podcast series can be applied wherever you are. We're back with a new series because we all have a part to play in keeping ourselves and each other safe on the roads. And today's episode is all about the gig economy and those who drive and ride for work. I'm joined by Becky Guy, Road Safety Manager England at the Royal Society for the Prevention of Accidents. Becky's role at ROSPA is to reduce harm on our roads. She's responsible for developing projects and both managing and delivering ROSPA's funded road safety projects for England. She also develops road safety policy, responds to government consultations and acts as a spokesperson to the media, as well as working on ROSPA's National Road Safety Committee, all in addition to supporting our work here in Scotland. So Becky, over to you. Can you explain briefly what is meant by the gig economy? Of course. So the gig economy is a relatively recent development. Um, so it varies from what we might have traditionally viewed as a job in that the people who work as part of it, they don't get paid um, a basic salary like we would have done traditionally. So instead, they get paid per um, gig or a sort of a piece rate. So they're paid for the work that they complete. And the way that they communicate with the company that they are um, gigging for is also different to a traditional form of employment because what they'll usually do is they'll communicate through um, a mobile app or via the internet. And one of the reasons for um, many people that the gig economy can be quite an attractive working option is that they can choose when they work um, and that allows them to kind of fit in with their other commitments. So, for example, they might choose to work around childcare commitments or they might work evenings. In a lot of cases, this will be a second job for people. So they might go to a, a traditional job during the day and then they might work perhaps in the evenings or the weekends for some extra money. And that's why we're particularly interested in it, really. It's a little bit of a worry that it leads to um, really long working days for those who take part in this kind of work. But I can talk about that later. Well, thank, thanks very much indeed uh, for the, the insights there. So what types of work? You've given some insights into the types of work. Uh, what types of transport are used by workers in the gig economy? So the types of vehicles that these workers will use are quite varied. So um, some gig workers, they might be using their own car or another type of vehicle such as a van. Um, and some particularly um, like food delivery workers, they might be on motorcycles. And I think it's important to note that the, um, the gig economy 
um, work that people do is quite varied. So quite often we'll think of the more common forms. So that might be delivering parcels or food or um, transporting passengers as a taxi. Um, but there are some other examples of things that don't necessarily spring to mind immediately for people. So those can include um, things like software development. It could be going out cleaning or even errand running or household repairs. So really, when I'm listening to that sort of array of different types of transport, there's probably nobody um, that's listening into this podcast that isn't in contact with the gig economy in some way, shape or form. So really, how much has this sector grown in the last few years? The sector as a whole is growing hugely and we can only expect that to continue. So there aren't um, many published figures on how many people are working as part of this economy but I did find some fairly recent ones that in 2021 um, in England and Wales alone there were 4.4 million people working in the gig economy and it's thought that um, over kind of so from 2016 to 2021 the number of people working as part of the gig economy practically tripled um, it's thought that around a quarter of workers have done some of this gig economy work at some point, and that's up from just one in 10 in 2016. And what we know is that the, the proportion of people who are carrying out this gig economy work at least um, once a week has more than quadrupled in delivery and driving um, occupations, and it's more than doubled in household services too. So in terms of why um, the gig economy is particularly interesting from a road safety perspective, most of the gig economy workers use the roads as part of their work. So what we know is that driving is one of the most dangerous activities that we do. And driving for work is more risky than it is for driving for private reasons. So um, at work, drivers will crash more often, and that's even after their higher mileage is taken into account. And they're more likely to take risks and to be at fault when they are involved in those collisions. Um, and these crashes aren't necessarily because someone's um, driving skills or their attitudes, but it's the nature of the work that they're required to do. So they might have to... Um, deliver things and that might lead to kind of unsafe schedules that can um, be, you know, they can cause fatigue and there's also the time pressures of having to deliver things on time and often having to respond to new pieces of work and work messages while they're driving. So really is is a rapidly growing sector that are there's much commonality in terms of the types of driving could we first of all then focus on driving for work in the gig economy um i think the terms safe vehicle safe journey and safe and healthy driver are really part and parcel of conversations about road safety uh, and driving risk so what safe vehicle checks should be made before starting work Sure. So there are lots of vehicles check vehicle checks that you can make. And I think the key thing to always remember is that if you're driving a vehicle for work, then it's your responsibility to make sure that it's in a safe, legal and roadworthy condition. So what we would always advise is that before driving any vehicles, um, you check that your tyres are undamaged, so there are no cuts and bulges, um, that they're inflated to the correct pressure and that they have enough um, tread depth also look for things like um, vehicle damage 
Um, you can look at the oil coolant and um, windscreen wash levels when the engine's cold. You also need to check things like the brakes, see whether they're working, um, check that all your lights and indicators are working, um, and that your mirrors are correctly positioned. And I think um, another thing to check is that you can see and reach all of the vehicle controls comfortably and that your view isn't obstructed by um, objects. So perhaps you might have your phone in a, a cradle, for example, while you're driving. Um, so make sure that that's not kind of in your line of vision. Um, and what it's also worth doing sometimes is speaking to the company that you're gigging for and finding out whether they've got a pre-drive checklist that you can refer to. Another thing to probably check if you're delivering things is you need to check that your vehicle's loaded safely. So it would be um, it would be illegal and it would be dangerous to drive a vehicle that's overloaded or that isn't securely loaded. And as the driver, you're responsible for making sure that any load you're carrying is legal and safe. So what we'd recommend is putting things into the boot rather than the, the passenger compartment and making sure that you distribute that load evenly. Kind of don't pack things um, too high in the rear so that you can't see out of the back window. And um, something that we sometimes see is that people will put kind of loose items on the dashboard perhaps the item that they're delivering next but it's really important not to do that because if you do unfortunately end up in a crash those things can become a missile and then what you should also consider is whether the vehicle that you're actually driving is suitable so if you're carrying lots and lots of parcels for example regularly it might be that a van would be better to use than your own car those are those are great insights and certainly uh, the, the probably the type of checks each of us should be doing uh, on our vehicles before even going out onto the roads and uh, never mind starting work on a, on a daily basis Becky, you've alluded to the whole challenge about journey planning and the type of work uh, that the driver is doing, you know, that is directed by the people that they're gigging for. What basics should be considered by the driver to reduce road risk? Yeah, so I think that's a really, really important point. So journey planning is a really important part of um, driving or riding. And it's it's so important because it can help you to prevent becoming tired during your journey. And this is really important when you're driving or riding for work because you might be um, driving or riding for a longer period of time than you're used to, particularly if this is a second job and you're working all day and then doing extra work of an evening. Think about the usual things you do when you're driving, not for work. So Avoid, if you can, driving after a really long shift um, or, for example, if you've got home from work and had a drink of alcohol, make sure you're not driving then. Or if you've taken any medicines that might make you feel tired. Um, other things to consider are the weather conditions. So check the weather forecast and traffic reports before you set off and try to avoid driving in any poor conditions. Um if your employer has any limits on maximum driving distances or times, make sure that you follow those. And then think about while you're out delivering or whatever it might be that you're doing, plan where you can take a break every two hours or so and build in enough time to do that. We'd say probably try to take um, 15 minutes at least for every two hours that you're traveling. Um 
if you are feeling tired, find somewhere safe to stop. Um, we recommend drinking two strong cups of coffee and taking a short nap. Um, but remember that sleep's the only cure for tiredness. So if you reach that point, it's probably worth thinking about um, leaving it for the day there and finding an overnight stop or returning home. And then finally, we'd say if you are really concerned about your driving hours or your journey or your schedules, um, make sure that you speak to your employer and let them know that you can't continue to do that. It's important to let them know if you find yourself in that position, really. So it's really all about having that conversation uh, with the people that you're working uh, in association with. And you've mentioned their driver tiredness. Where does fitness to drive and that whole piece about being a safe and healthy driver uh, sit? And what other pressures might impact on the driver? Yeah, so physical and mental health will play a massive part in your ability to drive safely. So, for example, if you've got um, a medical condition that could um, affect your ability to drive safely, then you'd need to inform the DBLA. And you should also speak to your employer, be honest, speak about any fitness to drive concerns um, and let them know how that might impact on your driving and also speak to your doctor, of course. So in terms of things that are um, quite common, so we need to always, if we're driving or riding, we always need to be thinking about our eyesight. So in good daylight, you need to be able to read a vehicle number plate from 20 metres, which is roughly um, five car lengths. So to keep your eyesight um, kind of safe for the roads what we would recommend doing is having your eyesight checked regularly um, at least once every two years or more often if the optician um, recommends it it's also worth thinking about things like common illnesses so things like um, a cold a migraine stomach upset things like that can really impact on our ability to drive safely so if we're not feeling well we need to be thinking about whether we're actually fit to drive or whether it would be better for us and for all others concerned if we just take the day off and not drive until we're feeling better because sometimes the medications that we take for these illnesses can also impact on our ability to drive and then of course there's also um Alcohol, so alcohol can make us overconfident and more likely to take risks. So make sure that you're always um, under the drink drive limit. So in Scotland, it's 50 milligrams of alcohol per 100 ml of blood and slightly higher in England and Wales. But our advice would be if you're drinking alcohol, you shouldn't be heading out on a journey at all. Thanks very much indeed for that that sort of overview. We've been speaking about driving for work, uh, driving for work. Um, we also have in the gig economy people on bikes or power two wheelers, who are in essence vulnerable road users. What, in addition to vehicle checks, journey planning, and fitness to ride, should cyclists and riders consider from a road safety perspective? Sure. So I think um, some of the main things we've covered, so that it's making sure that the vehicle's safe that you've planned your journey well and that you're well to undertake that journey. But I think in addition to that, the main reason that we're more vulnerable when we're on two wheels is that we don't have that protection of the metal shell that a vehicle offers if we are um, involved in an accident. So things that we can do, um, we can consider taking additional training, such as that offered by charities and training schools, and that can help us to learn to ride in a way that helps to keep us safe on the roads. 
But I think, of course, there too, drivers can also be taking extra training. And lots of the onus is on them to look out for us when we're on two wheels. We should all be looking out for one another on the roads and treating others as we'd like to be treated ourselves. Another thing to consider with um, being on two wheels, though, is also wearing the right gear. So if you're a motorcyclist, you must wear a helmet. But things like um, biking jackets, gloves, goggles, um, boots and trousers, they offer additional protection in the event that you are involved in a collision. And we also recommend for cyclists that they wear a helmet, um, although, of course, with cyclists, this is a personal choice, but it is something that we would recommend. I think that the phrase that came into my head when you were speaking there, Becky, is one that I've heard Roger Bibbins use, all the gear all the time. So it's all about understanding what you can use in terms of um, limiting the harm uh, in the event of uh, a collision. Um, so really, our roads are a shared space. Uh, the changes to the highway code here in the UK were very clear uh, when they came in this time last year, actually, in that those with greater power have greater responsibility. So how can we increase an understanding of the issues and help road users understand these from a different perspective? Yeah, so I think some of the best ways to raise awareness is to share these um, challenges that these riders and drivers are facing. So, for example, driver fatigue, etc., and share them with some of the companies that people are um, gigging for. So, the courier and food delivery um, companies and the passenger services. And um, I think essentially what we need to do is look at ways in which we can offer this um, platform and gig economy work, which you know, is unlikely to be going anywhere anytime soon without encouraging people to drive and ride under these really tight, pressured schedules, um, especially when they're tired or unwell or the, the weather's poor. And I think the road safety community and these gig economy companies could work together here to come up with some solutions that would help to reduce the risk for these workers. And so how can having this type of conversation that we're having today through the SCORSA network make a difference? Where do you think we can potentiate the conversation? Yeah, so I think it's um, an awareness type, um, an awareness raising piece, really, in that talking about these issues spreads awareness of some of the issues that these drivers and riders are facing. Um, and those include the things like those highly pressured schedules, um, a higher risk of becoming tired, and particularly for those that are working more, more than one job. And I think by talking about and sharing the best practice, I hope that we can reach some of those workers and help them to understand how they can keep themselves and others safe on the roads. And I think it's also important to try and reach the companies themselves too so that they can think about how they can... Um, make the nature of work that they're offering safer for those people that are taking it on. Well, that's great. Thanks very much indeed. I mean, certainly having this conversation through the SCORSA network uh, is something that will be happening uh, going forward during 2023. So uh, thanks very much for these insights, Becky. So thanks to our guest, Becky Guy, Road Safety Manager in England at the Royal Society for the Prevention of Accidents. And thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your usual podcast provider so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love it if you could leave a review. It really makes the podcast easier for others to find. The Road Safety Podcast is produced by Fresh Air Production. 
I'm Karen McDonnell and thanks for listening. 